they're unusually hot or cold in here. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, astronomy 104, hopefully, everybody? Okay. Make sure we're all in the right spot. Make sure I'm in the right spot. Um, I do have a syllabus to hand out for you. And I apologize for the first typo on it. I corrected it on the one up there. But it does say right under the hack logo the, the Astronomy 103 class syllabus. It's the Astronomy 104. Everything else is correct on it. And I didn't even realize that until this morning. So I didn't even bother to sit there and go ahead and cross them all out for you and change it to 104. The rest of the information is still the same, so you can correct it yourself if you like there, but the rest of the information is all correct for the uh, stellar, astronomy, stellar astronomy class. So um, basic information up there, up there for me. Um, my name is Robert Wagner. I'm the instructor for the class. My office is down and around the hall if you've figured out the numbering in the building, which is kind of, can be kind of confusing. There's the 150. Uh, faculty bay, not the one behind the Welcome Center, it's the other one down by the second set of doors in the back lot. So there's the main lot that comes in by the bookstore, we're right by the other side. So I'm in there. Uh, you're welcome to stop by. I scheduled office hours uh, right before and after class. If that doesn't work, I always put by appointment in there, so we're welcome to make arrangements to come in another time. Um, I teach. I'm primarily a virtual instructor, so I teach a classes here once in a while. Um, so other than, other than this class in the morning and some other things that I have previously scheduled on Tuesday and Thursday later afternoons, I'm available and I'm off and around. So if you're here on Monday or Wednesday, you're welcome to stop by or preferably email me first and let me know so I make sure I'm here because sometimes if I have nothing else scheduled, I may not come in because I can teach my other classes from home. So I'm not always here, but you're more than welcome to stop by. I typically am also in the room for those who were here earlier. I try to get here, okay, I was a half an hour early today, usually 15 or 20 minutes before class starts getting everything set up. So if you've got a quick question and you just need to ask, if you're not doing another class or you're not struggling to get in here uh, at 8.30, you're welcome to stop by you know, right before the class and ask any questions as well. So it doesn't have to be at office hours. The only thing I do ask is don't come in like two minutes before class starts with a question. Unless it's like a quick question. What are we covering today or something? But if it's a more detailed question, I don't want to get into that right as class is starting, certainly. Um, so office hours I have scheduled. I give you the phone number because I'm required to. They tell us to put on. I tell, email is a lot faster for me. I tend to find that unless I happen to be sitting there during my office hours and not tied up with another or with another faculty member or out getting a drink of water or using the restroom. It usually takes us you know, two days to get back and forth. I call, leave a message. You call, leave a message. Email, I get instantly. It comes right to my phone. So if you send it to my hack email, I get it right away. Doesn't mean you get an instant reply. But I do get it and know about it right away. And of course, as soon as I can, I will get back to you. So if you really need to get a hold of me quicker, and people like to do phone calls, but email is so much faster. And because I teach online classes, I'm checking it all the time. So I do keep a close eye on that. So I do strongly recommend that. If you need to get a hold of me uh, you know, outside of class times, that's the best way. Uh, course information is given here. Hopefully you have all, uh, have all that when you're registered. I'm not going to go through the catalog description. Except to note one thing, I didn't really change that we are going to do, we still do cover the solar system uh, slightly. I've 
crossed it out because we're in the process of removing that requirement from this class because we offer a whole class on the planets and me taking a whole section on planets. While interesting, I'm not saying they're not interesting, I teach planetary astronomy, but it takes away from a lot of the stuff that we want to cover in this class. The stars, the galaxies, if I have to take a whole week, then I have to cut someplace else. So we will, but I'm going to put the planetary section off to the end. So assuming that we don't get swamped with anything, I will at least talk briefly. If even if it's just a one quick lecture going through and at least discussing the planets, we will do it because it's still part of the course right now. But we are in the process of getting that removed. So that's why I have it crossed off there. Um, so that's there. Um, class meeting times, everybody looking for two more, I believe. So we have almost everybody here. Um, maybe still finding the room or maybe they've changed. Uh, so 8.30 to 11.10. I try to start on time. I'm very good at getting it out on time. So I try not to. I'm not one who lectures and says, oh, we've got two minutes and then proceeds to consider 10 more minutes worth of lecture. I, you'll see me as it's getting close. I'm looking at my watch and trying to wind things down. I might end at 10.09 or 10.10. I might keep you right up to the time. But I'm not going to go to 10.15, 10.20 because I know people have jobs. People have another class across this across on one of the other buildings here to go to. So I try not to keep you any later than that. Delayed openings, not a problem this semester, I hope. Right? No snowstorms, who knows? We'll get a freak November snowstorm. If so, we meet. The way our class was scheduled, it worked pretty good. We actually get two of the 35-minute meeting times, so we don't get hit quite as bad as it would have otherwise. So we meet from 10 to 11.20 uh, if there is a delayed opening doesn't happen as much this semester as it would in the spring semester. <coughs> okay, question. Feel free to interrupt with questions if there are now or any time when I'm uh, lecturing. All right. Textbook. Um, I put up there that it's semi-optional. And I only put that because the textbook, you can purchase it. I believe the bookstore has copies. It's like 50-some dollars. It's a nice big textbook. It covers everything. If you like a hard copy, that's what you need. We are using the textbook, so it's semi-required in that I am using it. I'm going to assign readings out of it. But it's also available online. So you can go to openstacks.org, search for astronomy, and you'll find this exact textbook there that you can pull up online. You can download a PDF file of it. Don't print it. It is this massive. Yeah. Oh, openstacks. O-P-E-N. STAX.org. So I am going to assign readings. And some people like to have a physical book to actually flip pages through. And if so, it's still better. It's like $57 versus about $100 more than that. So it's $100 less than the textbook we used to use. So it's still good. But if you just prefer that, if you like, if you have an iPad or want to do an iBook, it's like $7 if you want to buy the iBook. So it's really nice there. Um, but I, so it is semi, it's semi-optional in that you don't have to buy the physical book if you don't want to, if you're fine reading things online. But again, don't print it out because it's like 1,300, 1,400 pages and it will cost you more to print it than it would to go buy a copy for 50-some bucks. So you know, if you need to print out a couple pages, fine, but I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't recommend print, trying to print the whole thing. So. Um, online components, there's nothing required. No required assignments have to be done online, I'll put it that way. I do give 
put some, I have some quizzes up on D2L. Anyone never use D2L at all? Couple? Okay. I can show you. I have it up there and if you have questions on it. But there's nothing that's absolutely required there. If you go in and log into my hack and click on the D2L link here, the Brightspace D2L link, it'll come up with your home page, which should have this class for you. Don't worry about the other astronomy ones because it would show your other classes. And you can click on that. It has some resources in it for you that I provide. So we'll go into the class. Um, and it will have some information. Ignore any dates it gives because I copied this from my online class. So it might say due date, something's due. I'll tell you about specific due dates. Don't worry about this telling you there's an assignment that has to be due. I will make sure those are correct. Uh, as we get closer to those dates. But if you go into content, we're going to be starting lesson one today. And there are textbook readings. So if you want to read chapter one, this is how I said, if you can just click on the link here, it will load the OpenStax book for you. And it's actually linked there right there in the course. So same textbook that we're using if you're purchasing it. Uh, the difference this will sometimes tell you, and it's not doing it now because I've updated it, uh, it might say there's a newer version available because as they make corrections and updates, they'll correct it and it'll, you can just reload it. So it'll tell you that. So you can actually access it right from the class, if right from the class site if you like there. You can also download, if you want to just download the whole PDF to your computer, you can do that. Lecture slides are on here. I have lecture slides printed for you today. I don't do that regularly. If you want them, you can print them out. So when we get to chapter, we'll do chapter one today, uh, probably finishing chapter one on Thursday. And if you want to print out the lecture slides after that, you can go print them out. I'm not going to give you copies every single time. Obviously, you know, we didn't know each other uh, a couple minutes ago. So I didn't know to tell you, to, oh, hey, you want, to, you want these, print them out. So I always print the first set there. Um, there are also some video lectures to teach online. So for every lecture that I give, there's a video version that you can go and watch. So if you want to review something, it obviously will not be identical. The slides will be the same. But if there's questions or I just happen to go off on a different tangent in the lecture versus in class here, they might be slightly different. But you can use those to review. They're not required. So if you don't want to use them, I won't be offended. But they are there as a resource for you. And there are some review materials. There are, in fact, in review materials, you'll find three things for each uh, lesson. There will be what I call a set of key points. I'm giving you the first set of those two, but after the first uh, few chapters worth, you've got to print them out yourself if you want them. Um, I'll give you those when we get ready to start lecture. Those are nice. They're essentially my summary of the chapter in question form. So nice. I like them as a review. You can read through, hey, I understand. What the, I know how to answer this question, or maybe I need to review this. I recommend using them and taking notes on them or writing notes on them because I let you use them for the exams. So you can bring those sheets, nothing else, no, other, no, no stapling a book to it or pages from the book or anything else. But you can, anything you want to write, handwrite on those is welcome to use for the exams. So not an open book exam, but you have a set of notes there, which means you know I'm sure I'm going to forget this. You can make a notation of it and you know you've got it there. So hopefully it takes a little bit of the stress off of the exams. Um, I'll give you the ones for the first exam, which is chapters one through four. Beyond that, if you want to use them, you can. I have students who just don't bother. That's fine. You can take the exam regular without them. 
uh, or you can use that. There is a review quiz for each chapter. Ten questions. Don't try to take it right now. I have to double check. There was a glitch with one of my other classes and it wasn't giving you any questions. So I'll look at that right after class. Um, it's review questions. It's, it uses the same multiple choice test bank that I'll use for the exam. So it's review for you. It's extra credit. You can get up to one point. Doesn't seem like much, but when you do that for each lesson, there's like 14 of them. It can add 13 or 14. It can add up. So you can end up getting you know, up to 13 or 14 points. You can take it as many times as you like, but I can record whatever your last grade was. So it's not your best grade, it's whatever you took, whatever you took last. So if you took all of them, if you took it and got a 10 out of 10, that would be one point. You can keep taking it again. And I figure, well, if you take it again, you get an eight, you still got eight tenths of a point extra credit. If you wanted to use it to review, it can't, it can't hurt you. Um, I have an end date on those. I will probably, what I will do is change that so they're just available through the exam so you can use them for review. So ignore, ignore end dates for right now, but probably the time of the exam when we take the first exam in a couple weeks, I'll just close them off after that. And that way you'll have a, fi a final grade for them. So you can take them and they'll give you, you know, it might end up if you do reasonably well, I might, might get, you know, eight, nine, ten extra credit points, which is about a percent in the class. So it can actually round you up a little, a little bit. The last thing there is another set of review things which uses StudyMate. If you click on that, it's got flashcards, fill in the blank, different puzzles that you can do. These are all optional. You don't have to go do anything. I can't tell if you've done them or not. But if you want to play with various things and experiment with them, these were all made up. Again, they're based on the same questions that were used for the multiple choice in the exams. So you can click on one of those. If you want to do flashcards, it will come up. Let's see, try to do one of them here and it will give you, it'll tell you that and if you flip the card over, it gives you what the terminology is. So they're great for review if you want to use them. If you don't want to use them, you know, they're there. But there, you'll find those there in each chapter. So uh, let's see, let me go back to this. So that's what you will find, you should find in each one. I don't have a lot of other stuff on here, I will put up for different assignments that you can submit them online. It's not required. So if I give you a set of homework questions, which I do for each exam, if you want to hand write them out and, or print them out, or type them up and print a copy and turn it into me, that's great. If you want to submit them online, you can submit them on D2L. Either is perfectly acceptable. The advantage of D2L is that you get a little extra time because if you're submitting them in class, I need them in class, Can't, or, so I need them at that point. If you're going to submit them online, I usually give you until the end of the day. So you get a little extra time if you're submitting them online. Um, but neither is required as long as you have it there, you're perfectly, you're perfectly fine doing it either way. That's why I said nothing is required to be done here, but there are a lot of resources there. So I recommend going in and exploring uh, what you'll see. Uh, right now you'll only see lessons one and two. The lessons will open up a little early for you. Probably keep a little bit ahead of us. If you're ever not seeing one, let me know in class. Email me and say, hey, I think I should be seeing lesson three and I can make sure that we're, that we're getting there. Lessons do not mean chapters. Some lessons have two chapters or three chapters in them. So each lesson is not one chapter. It's essentially one unit. All right, so let me go back to the syllabus then. So I want to just explain that, give you some of the things that are on there that you will, you know, if you want to do those extra credit quizzes, you do have to use D2L, but they're not.
required because they're extra credit. If you want to submit assignments on D2L, you can. You're not required to. You can hand in, except for the quiz, anything else, any other assignments I give, you can print a copy and hand it to me here in class. That's perfectly fine. If you submit it on D2L, I will probably print it out, grade it, and hand it back to you anyway because it's more convenient when I have people turning them in multiple ways instead of me trying to grade them all. Grade some, some by hand and some that way. But sometimes it's a convenience and people like those few extra hours to be able to finish up an assignment. All right. Um, Learning outcomes, I'm not going to go through the detail um, right now. That's uh, stuff on there for you to look at. Um, I'm also not going to go through any detail on the schedule of activities. That's where I think we'll be. We'll probably be off in a, next week. You know, I don't know if next week we'll actually get through chapters two and three. Um, hopefully, we'll stay pretty well on schedule. But you'll see that some, some, some weeks we cover one chapter. We may get a bit ahead on those. Other weeks we might have two or three chapters. When they're two or three, they tend to be shorter chapters or less material to be covered in them. So they're not necessarily means we're covering three big chapters. It's just the way the material groups together. Uh, exams are tentatively scheduled for those weeks. If I'm behind and I don't, I'm not through chapter four, we won't be taking exam one the week of September 11th. It might not be till the week of September 18th. I don't see any case where I'd be going ahead of them. I wouldn't say, oh, well, we're way ahead. Let's go take the exam the week before. Yes, sir? Exams will probably be on Thursdays. Thursday is going to be lab day, too. So pretty much on Tuesday, you got to listen to me for the whole, whole time. Thursday will be lab, and I like doing that because I don't want to lecture and then make you take an exam right after, or take an exam and then wait for everybody to finish up and lecture. I like doing it with the labs because as you finish up the exam, you can start working on the lab. And that way, if, you finish every, finish the if you're a quick exam taker, great, you're done and you can work on the lab and you might get out of here a little early. And if you're slower and want to take the time on the exam, you're not, you're not feeling the pressure that everybody else is waiting for me to finish so we can do the lab. So I try to do it that way. I figure it makes it a little. So exams will tend to be on the Thursdays, barring emergencies or something comes up. If I have to switch it for some reason that week, um, I can't give you an absolute guarantee, but that is what I'm going to try to try to do for it. So that's the order. The order is correct. We will go through all of that in the order. But again, some of the assignments. Homeworks are tied in with the exam, so if the exam is, we're running behind on the exam, we're also running behind on the homework. So the dates are just to give you a rough idea. Other assignments, which I'll go through in a minute, are probably not going to change. When I say solar observations, I'll talk about that and explain what that is. When I say article reviews, those are going to be due that week. I don't know whether they'll be Tuesday or Thursday. It depends on what else we're doing. I try not to, for example, give you two big assignments due on the same day. So if we're doing an exam on the Thursday, I'm not going to make you know, another bigger assignment due on Thursday as well. I try to spread everything out for you a little bit. So I can't tell you for sure which day, but you can look. And I'll, see, I'll talk about what these are. But you can get started and start looking at some of this you know, a little bit in advance if you like. But the order is what we will we will cover in, the, in that board. Question? Oh, okay. All right. So let me go through some of the assignments that we're doing or policies here. Let's see. Attendance. Um, I do take attendance every day, um, which we're supposed to do. And I didn't write a date on here. 
Today is the 28th of August. However, I do not, I've all, I always do it by just having you sign in because it's a lot easier for me. First of all, I don't butcher everybody's name, which I would probably do. And I have a permanent record that says you were here. So what I will normally do, and I'm not sure exactly where I'll put this, I may have it on the front desk there with someone where no one is sitting, I may put it up on the podium over by the door. I just have you sign in as you come in. So that way it's your responsibility, so if you're not, if you go back and say, yes, I was here on this date and you didn't sign in, you weren't here. So you've got to sign in too. The first few, this week and next week, if you can just pass and get that around. Uh, the first couple weeks, I give you reminders, I won't, uh, I won't, you know, I'm not going to try to get you in the habit of signing in as you come in. It becomes second nature by the time you get through, uh, by the time we get through like a couple weeks of the class. So, uh, so that's how I keep track of attendance. Um, basically the attendance and withdrawal policy, if you're going to withdraw, the way I do it, it's up to you to withdraw. I mean, if you stop showing up and you don't show up for two weeks and I've never heard from you, you'll be dropped. But if I drop you, I always give an F grade. So if you want to withdraw, go into my hack and withdraw. You can do that up to 70% of the class, the exact date you can get from the link online, whatever the exact date is here, about three, almost three quarters of the way through the class. So you have the option of withdrawing with a W grade up until that, but I make you go do it. Don't, don't just, just, just don't stop showing up and then expect I'm going to get a W. So if you do not show up, if you just, that doesn't mean you don't show up for one or two days or even a week. I'm not going to do that. But if you haven't shown up for like two weeks of class and no contact from you or anything, then you would probably get uh, dropped at that point. So attendance, academic dishonesty. Obviously when you're writing up things like homeworks, etc., do your own work. You're welcome to work in a group if you want to work, to, but I expect everybody, I don't want one paper turned in that has, you know, print out with three, ident with the identical answers for each question, which I've seen. You know, I'm giving you examples of things I've actually seen in the past. So that would not be acceptable. But if you all just sit there and discuss the question and then you each write up your own answer, yeah, I'll probably see there's similarities and I can probably say, oh, these three people probably work together on this assignment, but they're all going to be different. You're, nobody words things exactly the same. So feel free to do that. I mean, work together if you like to to answer some of the questions. But just write up your own answers when you, when you turn them in. Um, for the exam, you know, any kind of, you know, any other cheating, plagiarism, less of a class, less of an issue on exams here, even though I do do uh, essay ex uh, part essay exams. Just because it's not open book, you don't have access to other resources, some of that applies a little bit more to my online classes. Uh, let's see, so attendance, academic dishonesty, makeup work. Uh, typically if you miss anything, I do give you a chance to complete assignments late for partial credit. So if I have an assignment with the due date, um, I give you up to a week for partial credit. So if you're running a little bit late, you know, taking four classes, five classes, and all of a sudden, you know, you know, we all get together and decide that all big assignments are going to be due on October the 23rd, right? You know, seems like professors have a tendency to do that. We don't, but it seems to work out that way. You know, and you get slammed and you can't quite turn in a homework on time, then you can, you can complete it a couple, you know, complete it a day late and only lose 10%. So if you run a little bit behind, that's perfect. You know, it's, it's acceptable. I understand that it's going to happen. Um, did I get everybody? 13. That should be 13. All righty. 
So, um, so you are permitted to turn some assignments, uh, some assignments in late. Uh, that applies to certain things that's not like the uh, extra credit quizzes, certain assignments it will not apply to. Those are, you'll have excess time on those. But for any other written assignment in class, if you have to do it late, there's, there is an option there. If you're going to miss, for example, uh, a Thursday when we're doing a lab, if you let me know in advance, sometimes, depends on what lab we're doing, there are some labs I can get you the materials, so you can do it on your own. You're still absent, so you're not going to get credit for being here, but you can do the lab and not lose credit on the lab. So you can have that option. It's still due the same day, however. So if you come back on a, if you come in on a Tuesday, uh, or if you come back on Tuesday and want to make up the lab from the previous Thursday, it's already going to be several days late. It's already going to be like way down in this 50% deduction rate. So let me know as soon as you know you've missed the class or that you know you're going to have to miss the class so that I can get you any materials there. Most of the other stuff you're still fine with, but the you know, labs will be, one, will be one thing that could be a potential issue with that. All right, um, let's see. Grading, all right, here as we go through the assignments, I break everything down, and hopefully the point totals add up. I went through all of these. We have, there are four exams. For a total of 150 points and a final exam that's 100 points. Sounds like a lot, but that's only 250 points. My exam is only a quarter of the grade in the class. So if you're not a good exam taker, that's good. If you're a good exam taker and you like just having a couple exams, maybe it's not as good because there's extra things to do. But the exams can hurt you, but they're not going to crush you. I've had some people take the class who just cannot take exams or just my exams do not click with them and they average 50% on them. And they may still pull a B in the class. So you, know, you can fail every exam and still do, do just fine and still end up doing fine in the class. Uh, so there's two exams. There is lab work which we will be doing pretty much every Thursday. I will start with the lab this week and each Thursday that we meet we'll probably do a lab of some kind or other that I'll have for you. Attendance, I do take attendance, so I give you a certain number of points. It tells you down a little bit further. I'll get down to that in a minute. And I will give you credit for being here. Yes, I'm sorry. Final exam, can we use all those reviews? Yes, you can. Yep. And I'll explain more about how the final exam is done. It's, it's semi-cumulative. There are some questions. I'll explain it when we get a little closer because if I tell you now, some of you will remember, but everybody else will, will forget about it by the time we actually get there. So attendance, there are homework assignments, there are articles, there are, oops, why is quiz, oh, I didn't update it completely. I'll have to do that. There are no quizzes. Quizzes are only the extra credit ones, so the points are not, now I've got to try to add it. Let's see. Yeah, I have to redo the point structure on that. I apologize. The quizzes are not part of it. Those points get spread out among the other things. I know I changed a few of those. I apologize. I will get that corrected and get you the updated. Essentially, the quiz points get spread among everything else. So it's not going to change things drastically, but it will. The quiz points, the hundred they go, some of them go to the homework, some of them go to the article. Everything else ups a few points, and the quizzes go down to zero. So I removed actual quizzes from the uh, class over the summer. Then, so I'll update that. I'll let you know. I'll, give, I'll get you an updated sheet on that on Thursday. Um, 
grading is pretty much a straight 90, 80, 70, 60 scale. Um, what I do is that's exact. I don't round anything. I don't look at anything else after that. When it comes up to the end of the semester, boom, whatever you got. If you got 90% or more, it's an A. If you got anywhere in the 80s, it's a B, etc. Cruel, I know, but then I don't have to make any judgments. Well, this person deserves to be rounded up, but this person doesn't. But, so I'm not being so mean. I do give, not a lot, but a few chances for some extra credit. The quizzes are one of those. I do drop assignments. So, for example, you can see in the exams, there are four exams. I take your three highest grades. So, because of that, I've really rounded your grade up probably about four or five percent already. So, you're probably already, so if you end up getting rounded up that and you still got a 79.99, you probably really had a 75. So you just didn't get up quite high enough. So there, I am not, I, while I'm saying I'm not rounding anything, I'm kind of building the rounding into the class. But that way when it comes to the end, I don't have to say, well, so-and-so deserves the rounding and so-and-so doesn't. Then I'm just saying we're done. So I don't round them, but they're rounded, the rounding is built, with, built, within the, built within to that. OK, so let's look at the different types of assignments that I have. Um, and again, the point structures, I will give you, I will update that because that is, in fact, I didn't update it there. I think I updated it here. I think these are what are, the, the, under the assignments, it is correct. Those are what the actual points are. I just never updated them in the table up above. So some of them are not changed. Some of them, uh, some of them are changed. I'll double check it and make sure we have everything correct. Um, for exams, a lot. But I like focusing it because it focuses on a smaller amount of material. Uh, the exams are about an hour exam. I tend to do them so they can be finished in a 50 to 60 minute class period, meaning you have time to do that and then time to work on a lab. So they're, they're shorter exams. They will be uh, split in about two parts. There will be a multiple choice section. Same test bank you've been looking at if you've been taking the practice quizzes. Okay. There will be a set of essays, essays, not English essays, science essays, which to me is meaning a few sentences, maybe a paragraph, maybe I ask you to draw a diagram of something or to explain something, make a table comparing something. That's what I mean by an essay. It's something you can answer in a few, in a few sentences usually, usually. So not essay, formal essay, I've got to write up, you know, an introductory paragraph and all of the body paragraphs and then conclusions. No. Things you can answer in a few, se in a few sentences. So that, would be, that will be the four exams. Uh, so we'll have those. Again, after each, after each three lessons, it'll be about, it'll, the number of chapters will vary depending on the, uh, number, the, the number of chapters within each lesson. Final exam will be uh, semi-comprehensive, so it will cover material from the entire course, but it will be focused. And again, I'll explain that in more detail once we get to November, end of November and December, and we're coming close to the final. Um, labs or activities? Final does not. We don't. We don't drop a final, so you're, so you're stuck with whatever you get there. Uh, labs or activities? I'm planning on 14, which is about one a week. And the lowest two lab grades will be dropped. So that's the other. If you have to miss a day and you're just you're sick, you know, nobody wants you here, right? If you if actually have a stomach virus, everybody would prefer that you stay home anyway. So 
um, I do drop two labs. So if you have to miss a day and you've been doing fine on the labs, you can just say, I'll take a zero. It goes away at the end of the semester. Questions? Yes, here, and then I'll get you. I'm just curious, what kind of labs are we uh, Most of my labs are not biology or chemistry labs. A lot of them are looking at images, writing descriptions, you know, and like analyzing pictures of galaxies and doing questions on that. There can be some calculation labs. Math is, I say minimal, there is some math, yes, but I try to leave math to labs when I'm here and I can come around and say here's what you do. So I try not to put any extensive amount of math, there is no math on, or no significant math on like um, exams. I'm not going to say you don't have to double a number or add two numbers together or divide two integers or something. I can't say you never have to do anything, but you know, math level for the exam would be you know, elementary school level. I might ask you to divide 40 by 8 and tell me that it's 5. I'm not going to have you put gigantic numbers into a calculator. You don't need a calculator for the exams. You might have to do some calculations in a lab. But I said, I'm here. You have questions on it. You're one of the, someone who struggles with math. That's no problem. I'll be more than happy to walk you through what you need to do to get the answers. So various types of labs. I mean, there's, there's various types that I do. So yes, sir. Labs can be worked in groups, but like the homework, you've got to write up your own answers. So don't work together and give me three identical answers to everything. Obviously, if you're doing a calculation, you might be getting the same numbers. But when you're actually writing up qu answers to the questions, they could be. So if you want to work with someone else, you know someone else in the class and you want to work with them, that's fine. If you're individual and you just want to concentrate by yourself, you're not required to work with anybody. I'm not going to make everybody pair up with a lab partner to do it. So it's completely up to you on those. All right. Good, good. All right. Attendance, five points. I have to judge because it always depends on the number of classes that you, we have in each semester, so the number of points that I give. Uh, five points for being here each day. Up to 100, that's like 13% of your grade just for being here. So it encourages people to show up and not miss. But as I said, if you're really sick or you've got an emergency, you know, I do drop four grades. So you can miss four days and it won't affect your grade. You'll still have a perfect score on attendance. So even if you miss four days, perfect score on attendance. But five points for each day, for up to five points for each day being here, and that will total up to 130 points. I do mark you late if you're coming in late. So I don't do that today. I, don't think any, I think everybody was here when I started anyway. I do try to start on time so we can get out on time. Um, but I do deduct a point if you're late. What I'll usually do is just mark the sheet when I start class. If you come in after that, just sign in, take your seat, and go on. I deduct one point, so you'll get three out of four. That can be one of the grades dropped, so if you're here late once or twice and you didn't miss a day, it's not going to matter. You're still going to get full credit. Uh, what I find is typically people, it's rare that people do not get 90-some percent on attendance. It's very rare. I mean, you really had to not be showing up to class. And that usually shows up on other assignments as well and on exams if you're missing that much class. So it's meant to be some easy points for you. So do make sure you sign in because that's what I'm going by. So you know, if you'd, everybody signed in today, but if, you, if we come back you know, in the beginning of September and you forget to sign in today, you know, sign in later, sign in before you leave, at least get credit for being here. But don't come back to me in November and say, I know I was here on September the 12th or whatever because I can only go by what you signed in. 
and I will remind you the first couple of days, this, the first this week and next week, and I won't mark you late this week and next week because I know some people are still getting used to where the buildings are. I know it took me forever coming down here to figure out what the numbering was. The various buildings, it's like, where is 130s uh, to find this, this corridor? So, once, uh, probably after the first two weeks, I will start marking people as, as late. Alright, so we've done attendance. Got a bunch of other, assi- a few other assignments to give you. Let me give you homework one. Just what you wanted the first day, right? Um, homework assignments, there's five of them. I drop one. So, I, I recommend doing them all. I don't recommend skipping them because while they won't get the same questions, they're similar type questions to what I'll give. These are more like what I would give, barring the few that are mathematical, they're more like the the type of things that I would give on an exam. There are a few on the homeworks that are also more mathematical. Two, three, I believe. Should be three there. And one and two. I think. There we go. So there are some that involve calculations. So I recommend you take a look at them uh, first if you have questions on them. Again, stop by early for class, stop by office hours. I'll be more than happy to help you work through anything that has a calculation. Do your best. I grade them on effort. So if you put it up and it's a math question and you just put number three, blank, it's wrong. You get no credit. If you at least put attempts, well here's what I know and try to put some numbers down, I'll give you partial credit. So you can get a decent amount of credit just by having made the attempt. But if you leave it completely blank, I can't give you any, even if you spend an hour, give me one second, even if you spend an hour working on it, if you don't show me anything, I've got to see that you, that you tried. So, yes? It does not have to be typed. I'm not requiring that. So you're welcome to handwrite. Uh, these if you're turning them in. Um, obviously if you're going to turn them in on D2L you then need to scan or photograph them. Um, as long as you've got you know, cameras nowadays you work pretty well. You can even photograph them and submit those and it usually works pretty well. Um, so yeah, they do not have to be, they do not have to be typed. Some of the assignments do. But this one, this one does not. Yes. The homework is the one that I, that I don't because sometimes I ask you to draw an image and you know that's People, some people have more trouble getting that all together. So if you want to handwrite those, that's perfectly fine. So yeah, I'll let you know as we go through these. So homework, there'll be five of them, one for each exam. So they'll probably be due right before the exam, so that you can have, so that I can have them take a look at them and try to get them back and back to you. But I do look primarily at your attempt on it. So as long as you've made an attempt, you'll get at least some credit for the, and usually at least half credit for the for the question. So if each question is worth, what are they worth now? I've changed all the point structures, so I have to look at what things are worth. 30 points each, there's 15 questions, so that's two points for each question. So if you made some decent attempt and you were completely off in left field someplace on it, you'll at least get one of the two points because you made an attempt. So try, give some kind of, some kind of attempt on it and you'll at least get some credit for that. Again, the mathematical ones when you look at them, and there will be probably a couple on each homework, are not going to be on the exams. You might see other types of these may show up on the exams for them. Okay, so homework. And again, as I said, homework can be, uh, hand, could be handwritten. Article reviews. Let me get my next sheet here. Lots of papers today. 
Um, this is, and I will give you some more information on this. The first one was due middle to late next month, I think. I will give you some more information on them later. This is the, if you, sometimes people like to get started on them early because you've got big projects coming up in other classes. So you get a chance to get started on it now if you like. No, 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 no. This is due before the first exam. I'll, get, I'll actually, I should have said due dates. Once you start on, once we come in on Thursday, you will start seeing a list of due dates here. So I will write up on the board, you know, homework one due this date. Tentatively, when I'm planning to get to the first, I may have to push them back a day. Uh, when the other assignments are due, whatever's coming up in the next few days. So, no, the homework, there's only five homeworks. It will not be due till right before the first exam. So you've got probably at least two weeks on it. But the nice thing is, you know, it's 15 questions. If you wait until the night before it's due, you're going to be struggling. If you look at the first five questions, cover chapter one, which will be through this week. You can work on the first five questions, get those going, and let me know if there's questions on them that you want me to go over. I'll be more than happy to. And then do that. So I, I don't recommend waiting till the night before. I know some people still will. That's up to you. But I do recommend that you can look at them as you go. The first five cover the first unit, which is chapter one. The next five cover chapters two and three, which I'm doing together. And then the last five cover chapter four. So as we go through, you can work on those first few sets of, sets of questions. Article review is one that I would have you type. Just because it's more, this is more of a semi-formal paper. I'm not an English professor. So I don't go through anything. I'm not going to be grading you on grammar. I'm not going to be, I might, I might mark all, I might correct spelling if I see a spelling mistake or if I see something, I may mark. But I don't penalize you on that. I don't actually grade it on anything grammatical or anything like that. But what I ask you to do is to pick a magazine article. I'll actually give you a list of them on D2L so you can, there's ones that are perfectly good and you, one of these titles sounds interesting, you pick that out and go for it. Uh, if you want to find your own, I do recommend that you let me, tell me first which one you're trying to use because if you just go online and look for something, usually you're finding the great new discovery which is in like two paragraphs. And I'm looking for something that, in a, typically the science ones are about five, six pages long. And they got, usually got lots of pretty pictures, so it's not five, six pages of text. It's usually a little less than that. But I will do those. Uh, the information as to what I'm looking for is broken down here. And once again, my point structure is off because it's 50 points. Each of those is up by about a point or two. So I've kind of changed the point structures and not everything is matching up, so I do apologize. Um, I'll get you a copy of my grading rubric before uh, the first one is due so you can see how the points have changed. Essentially it's gone, this is based on 40 points which is what they used to be worth, now they're worth 50. Um, there's three reviews, 50 points each for a total of 100 points, right? Math doesn't add up there because I drop one. So if you do the first two and you do fine on them, you get 45, 50 on the first couple, skip the third one. No. It's not going to, what, what are you going to do? Suppose you got a 45 and a 50, and then you do the third one. The best you're going to do if you get a 50 is drop and get those five points back. It might be worth it. Is it worth you writing another paper for five points? It may be. Some people, every point may make a difference at the end, and I won't complain. The only time I'll complain is if you got a 50 on both of them, because then it makes no difference. Then I'm going to drop, even if you get a perfect score, I'm going to be dropping a 50 for you. You can still do it if you found an interesting article, but you're not going to help yourself with anything in grading. 
So what that means is like when you get to the end of the class, you can kind of, I can skip the article you, I got other things to concentrate on. Or you got busy at the middle of the semester with a big project in another class and you couldn't do the second review, you got a zero on it, but then you do the third one and the zero gets dropped. So kind of gives you that, I try to give you that little bit of flexibility because I know I'm not the only class, at least for most of you, I'm probably not the only class you're taking. So I will give you some magazine articles. I have you look for what source, what, what, what source you used. So if you're using one of my articles, you can tell me, tell me the title, tell me the author. I'm not going to make you put it in a specific format. You, know, you don't have to do it in MLA, you don't have to do it in APA because I don't have any English requirement for the class. So I don't know how many students have gone through and have learned that and I don't want, and I'm not comfortable teaching it because it's not something that's in my field. You know, I, I can teach you some math if I have to, but I, I have much more trouble teaching you all the citations. So I'll let you do that when you get to those English classes that, that need it. So if you, as long as you cite the article and reference it, you're perfectly fine with, with me. Um, so we're going to look at that. I ask you to summarize it. Tell me, first of all, tell me why you picked the article. Summarize. And then the big part, what did you think of the article? So don't give me a nice big summary. I've had people write these and make them 10 pages long and give me eight pages, essentially repeating, going through the entire article and giving me all the details. Just a paragraph or two. I don't, it, two to three pages. If you're doing less than two full pages, it seems like a little short. I'll read it. If you did great on everything, it doesn't mean you won't get full credit. But it's tough to have included everything I've asked for in less than that. Um, if you're doing five, you find yourself getting onto five, six, seven pages, you're probably putting a lot more into it than you need to. I'm looking for a paragraph or two. What are the main points of the article? Summarize what they talked about. That's perfectly fine. But look for your analysis section. Tell me what you thought of the article. I'm not expecting you to critically analyze their research. Right? I don't have probably a bunch of science majors. I probably do not have. Maybe a few every once in a while. But I get lots of you know, nursing and education majors and criminal justice majors. So I don't expect you to critique their science, but you know, what was interesting for the article? What, what interested you about it? Wow, this was cool the way they said this, or you know, give me some specific examples from their article that was, you found interesting. So again, not analyzing you know, why their science was good or bad. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what you thought of the article, your opinions on it. And then I ask you to come up with three questions for the author. You know, what would you have liked them to explain more? What did they assume that everybody knew that maybe you know, an introductory astronomy student didn't know? Some things like that. You know, what would you have liked to have explained better? And those. So I'll give you the breakdown again. I'll give you a little, my little grading template that I use, a little rubric uh, for that that will give you a little more detail there. I will give you, again, a set of articles that you can use for that. All right. Uh, let's see, let me hold on that one and give you this one because I do give you, as I have my recording ongoing here, I do record all the classes. So I do put them up on iTunes. If you would like to subscribe, you can. There's no charge. You're not required to. Um, but I do give you an extra credit assignment for one of these. So I'm going to pass that out first. This is 15 extra credit points. On the class, that's like one and a half percent, so I recommend that you do it, but you're obviously not required to. Uh, one, two. Uh, for this one, I asked you to subscribe to one set of uh, podcasts that I do, and I give you two methods by which to do that, although I'll give you a third option as well. Um, 
first one is the photo of the, is the, photo of the day. Um, these are all done through iTunes. So if I have the people who do not like Apple stuff, the iTunes is still available for PCs as well and you can actually do this on a PC through the first link. Uh, it's just a set of podcasts. It's essentially an audio recording of a picture that I, will, that I talk about each day. So, and in fact, it is how we will start the class. I didn't start it today because I had a syllabus up there. But normally what I will do is when you walk in, there'll be some picture up there. Whatever picture that this website happened to pick to put up today. Um, it's the photo of the day website. If you want to find it yourself or bookmark it if you want to look up your own pictures. Uh, easiest way to do it is just type APOD into Google and it'll be the first link that comes up for the website. It'll be a NASA website. And there'll be some picture related to astronomy in some way. They've been doing this for, what is it, 22, 23 years now? They've been doing this, uh, doing this website and they put up a different picture every single day. So normally that'll be my starting point for the class. And we started with the syllabus today. But that's the one I ask you to subscribe to if you want to do the extra credit assignment. So you subscribe to the podcast. I give you the links on there. The first one works on any computer, Mac or PC. I just double checked it this morning to make sure the link would work. So that link does, that link does work for the current set of podcasts. If you have an iPad or an iPhone, you can use the second one through iTunes U. If you don't, if you only have an Android tablet or an Android phone, it won't, it won't work because you have to download Apple's iTunes U. It's a free download and then you can subscribe to it. The advantage with this one is that I can actually link to the photo with it. So there's actually, if you subscribe to that, it'll actually give you a photo. It'll, it'll actually be one link for the photo and one link for my audio podcast. Because some of the photos are copyright, I can't just pick out the photos and put them on my podcast. So my podcasts are all audio only. So you can do that. You can subscribe to that. Once you do subscribe, if you want, if you want to subscribe to these lectures too, there's a link for the 104 class is what you'll want to do. Uh, I'll be putting them up there. Uh, you don't need to worry about any of the others. I just make a general sheet for all my classes so I don't have to remember and get the right or wrong one. If you don't want to, I'm not offended if you decide not to use them. They're an extra resource. You know, I've had students tell me, you know, I have a long drive and I listen to your lectures to review. Well, that's great. If you don't want to use them, if you're getting enough other resources, you're perfectly fine not using them. Um, so you have the option to give you the extra option of the extra credit. I do ask you to subscribe. I ask you to send me an email from your Hawkmail account. Hack always wants us to make sure that that's active for you. So I ask you to send me an email from that. You email me. Within about 24 hours, I'll send you back just a small photo file, one of these pictures. You attach it to a Dropbox on, uh, on D2L, and then I give you 15 extra credit points. If you desperately do not want to subscribe, you hate everything Apple, I, have, I, get, I get students like that. It's not me, but I get students who are like that, who do not want anything, will not install iTunes on any computer. Just send me the email saying, I prefer not to subscribe. You can give me a reason if you want to. You don't have to. You can just say, I prefer, and I'll still give you the 15 points for doing the, other, for doing the rest of it. So if you desperately do not want to subscribe to anything, I'm not going to force you to you know, download something on your computers you don't want to. But if you want to do that, if you want to subscribe, if you want to be able to access that, at this point that's the only way I have through Hack to make them available. So 
Again, if you don't want to, just send me the email saying, you know, I prefer not to subscribe, but I still want to get the extra credit. So I'll, that way you can still get the 15 points extra credit for doing the other, um, the other parts of it. For the today, I'm going to just, I knew, normally I'll spend the first couple of minutes talking about the photo. I have in the past, and I probably will continue this, is pick a few of the photos once we come up to the, ex the exam, and I'll actually put extra credit questions on that are based on the photos that we talk about in class. So I may ask you some basic question about this, so they're worth reviewing or taking you know, a couple of notes on uh, just to keep track of what they, uh, what they were, review them right before you. I try not to give you detailed, you know, in-depth questions, but I give you some little uh, things, uh, little things, so I'm trying to get something basic on it. This is actually an image taken out in Oregon. Uh, so this is Oregon looking out at the coast there, so you're looking out towards the ocean. These are volcanic rocks, so volcanic rock features that exist out there. And so you get the nice uh, foreground of those. Oregon, Washington are very volcanic states. You don't always think about that unless you've, maybe if you've been out there, but if you haven't been out there, you don't always think about you know, volcanoes in the United States, especially in the continental U.S., but it is a very volcanic area. Just like if you go down a little further to California, it's not volcanic, but it's very uh, earthquake prone. So there's a lot of activity there. I'm sorry? It's the ring of fire around the, around the Pacific Ocean in the west coast of the U.S. and up into Alaska is all part of that. Now, that's not what we're seeing any volcanic activity here, but we're seeing the remnants of it. And we're also seeing some bright lights over here and here. If you read the description, they give you a little description down below.
Okay. Still about the right time. All right. So um, everything is introduction to astronomy. I don't break it down by planetary or stellar because the book actually covers both. So there is a big chunk of the book that we're going to skip. When we do, I'll come back to some of it when I do planets, but we'll go through about the first six chapters. Then it's going to delve off into the planets. If you want to look at them, you can always look at that. If you want to learn more about Mars or Venus uh, or any of the other planets, it's covered in there. And then we'll jump towards the later, later sections, which are what we cover. So um, each of these that I have, uh, that I've made, we've act I've actually made these up for each of the, for the textbooks. So hopefully it should fit in very well with what I want to. That I want to cover. So, when you look at the slides, you should see this slide about seven times on there. It's not a misprint. <laughs> I change the picture each time. Essentially, I do that because I could embed all the pictures on one slide, but then when I printed them out for you, you'd only see one picture or you'd see nothing at the, you'd only see the very first picture. So that's why you're seeing multiple ones there. Because I'm going to try to talk about a lot of different things right now. And the first thing I want to look at, you know, overall, what is astronomy? Well, we're studying everything. So it's the universe, it's everything in it. I mean, I've listed some of the objects here that I'm going to talk about. But okay, just me being an astronomer might bias me a little bit, but I would say that astronomer, astronomy is the most general science that you can do of all of them. Right? You can take geology, you can take biology, you can take physics, you can take chemistry. You can take all of those and never talk about astronomy. You might, but you don't need to. You can take a chemistry course and you'll probably never talk about astronomy. It's very hard to do an astronomy course. We'll, we'll talk about biology. We talk about life in the universe. We'll talk about chemistry. We'll talk about physics, geology. We cover all of it. No, nowhere near as much detail. It's not a physics course. We're not going to be going through all of the detailed equations of physics that you need to go to take a physics course. But we will talk about physics. We will talk about chemistry. We will talk about biology. Because we're really covering everything. So, you know, what is in the universe? I've given you a list of some of the things here. You know, we have within the solar system, we have planets and moons. This is an image of Mars. So, again, one of the things we're not going into great detail here is the planets. But Mars is probably going to be the first planet that we ever visit. If we ever land on another planet, you know, there's always plans, but then those have been there for decades. When I was an undergraduate, they're, oh yeah, we'll land on Mars by 2000 or we'll land on Mars by 2010. Now it's 2030 or 2035 or 2040. It keeps getting pushed off. Not an easy thing to do, but if you think about it, it was also not a very easy thing to go to the moon back in the 1960s. You know, think of what technology was like back in the 1960s. You know, your parents or grandparents or whoever were around. I mean, you know, no cell phones, no nothing, you know, uh, computers were very, you know, computers were massive things that filled rooms, not something that you carried on, you know, carried on your wrist. Yeah? Why did we never go back to the moon? Why is it now here? Why, why well, we could go back to the, we could go back to the moon. Technology is very easy there. The moon is a lot easier to get to. It's a lot closer. Yeah. We can get to the moon in a couple days. Uh, there are some difficulties with it. Probably the most reason we never went back is more political than scientific. It's like, we did it. We got to the moon first. We went there six times, Apollo 11 through 17, less 13, which uh, didn't actually land on the moon. And you know what else do we need to go to see the moon for? A scientist will tell you there's a lot we need to go see about the moon because we explored five places. Imagine landing on the Earth in five places, six places. 
and understanding the entire Earth? You couldn't. If you just pick six spots on the Earth, you wouldn't understand the entire Earth if that's your whole thing. So a scientist would say there's lots of good reasons to go back to the moon, but politically it's expensive. You know, do you want to spend that money? Or do you want to spend it on you know, the newest weapon system? Or do you want to spend it on a welfare pro? You know, where, do you, where do you want to spend the money? It's more, if we were there first, what's the use of going back? There were more missions planned. You know, Apollo 17 wasn't supposed to be. The, it was Apollo 18, 19, 20 were planned originally, and they got cut. So it was between 1969 and 1972, we landed on the moon, and that was it. We could go, and we've been back, not manned, but we've been back to the moon. We've had lots of spacecraft that have gone to the moon and explored it. But Mars is kind of the next big. Yeah, we could. If we wanted to, and we wanted to spend the money, you know, billions of dollars to get there, we could do it. We couldn't do it tomorrow, but you know, that was something that we could plan, and within a few years, we could, get to the, we could get to the moon. I mean, the technology is there, obviously. If we could do that back in 1969, we could do, we could do it now. We could do it. Now, the difficulty is, it's a lot easier to put a base on Mars than it is on the moon. Sounds strange, right? I mean, Mars is so much further away. But Mars has some advantages in that it actually has water, frozen, but there is water on Mars. You don't have to take all the water that you need. You'd need to do that to the moon. Right? Any water, and we, you know, we go through a lot of water every day. People washing, cleaning, drinking. You know, we need a significant amount of water. Mars does have that. Mars also has a day that is a lot like the Earth's. About 24 hours. Sun rises and sets. Makes solar power really good. The moon's day is about a month long. That means you got a month of daylight, or two weeks of daylight and two weeks of darkness. So when the sun is down for two weeks, you need some other energy source. Right? You can't use solar power because there's no sun for two weeks. So if you ever heard, you've heard of the Mars rovers, right? People have heard of the rovers. They've been there, you know, been there going for over a decade. The other one's been, what is it now, five years-ish that it's been there? We've had rovers on the moon. They last a couple months. Because you've got to go through this incredible change in temperatures. You've got to go through, you know, you don't have any energy source. So it's harder to do that. You can put a solar panel on Mars and it, it works just fine. So there are some reasons that it is more difficult. If you wanted to just put a base on the moon, we'd have to find some kind of other energy source. Which would probably have to be nuclear. I'm trying to think of what else might work. Solar would work great for two months, two, two weeks of the, half the month. But you know, you're not going to have hydropower. No, no, no liquid water flowing, so you can't use that. You know, what other kind of energy? No wind, right? no atmosphere, no wind. So all the other d types of energy sources that we have, no fossil fuels unless you're going to bring coal. And that's that's going to be expensive. You can imagine trying to launch coal or oil there to do it. So the only other thing you could probably do is use some kind of nuclear power, which of course has its own issues, you know, trying to launch significant quantities of nuclear material if there's an accident, right? If it's launched fine, it's great. But if there's an accident, you know, what can that do? So there are some reasons that we have not gone back and established. But to just go back and visit, we could do. And there are, there's been plans or visiting plans where some of them are planning you know, tours around the moon. If you've got a couple hundred million dollars to spare, I think you can buy some of the first tickets. I, I don't. But, <laughs> but if you've got a couple hundred million dollars, you can actually do that. But good, good questions. So we have planets, moons. We have comets and asteroids. Also part of our solar system. So again, those are things we're not really going to go over. This is an example of a comet. Comet is essentially a little ball of ice out in, spa out in space. 
And when it comes close to the sun, it gets heated up, vaporized, and then it actually becomes something that you can see. We're still waiting up here in the northern hemisphere. There has not been a good comet. Gosh, it's been over a decade. We've had a good, lots of comets that you could see if you have binoculars or a telescope. But to actually get one that you could see, with, see just with your naked eye, just go out there at night and see this comet stretching across the sky. Not something we've had in the northern hemisphere for over a decade. It's just random. It's not that anything's picking on us or anything. Just it's random. We haven't had. If you've been down in New Zealand or Australia, they had a couple of really nice comets, and you could just see something like this with a big long tail stretching back, and you just go out at night and you'd be able to see it hanging there in the sky. Comets are not meteors. If you hear a meteor shooting stars, that's completely different. If you actually see a comet, it just sits there. Looks like the moon. We just sit there and it will rise and set with everything else, but it doesn't, it's not moving. It's not flashing across the sky. Shooting star, which you see, sometimes see, you know, that's a, that's a little tiny bit of a comet that is burning up in our atmosphere. But the comet itself would just sit there and it would slowly move relative to the stars, but you wouldn't notice it over the course of the night any more than you'd notice it with the moon. So, moving out to things that we're going to talk a little bit more about, stars. Don't do a picture of just an individual star because stars are really boring to look at. Um, essentially, no matter how big of a telescope you have, a star looks like a point of light. Just looks like a little dot. You can't see any surface features to it, except for one, our sun, which is one thing we will talk. That's the one part of our solar system that we will talk about because I like to use that to introduce stars because it's like the one star we know something about, we know a lot about. This is an example of a cluster of stars. So stars tend to group together. In a way, our sun is unusual that it's all by itself. Most stars are in clusters or in uh, systems with two or more, uh, two or more stars. Um, galaxies. Did that out of order. Okay. Uh, galaxies. So there's a spiral galaxy. So you've seen pictures of galaxies before. You've probably seen something like this. Not like the Milky Way one that I showed you today. Um, spiral galaxies with these nice spiral arms, which is what our galaxy is like, are one type. There are other types that we'll talk about later when we get to the different types of galaxies. I always show this because the spiral galaxies are the really pretty ones. Um, but that's what, this is what, if we could travel those that million years at our spacecraft speeds or tens of thousands of years at light speed and look back down on our galaxy, that's about what we'd see. And we can infer that there are ways to make measurements. We have some things that we can make measurements even though we're sitting down here in our galaxy. But, you know, my pointer vastly overestimates how far we've traveled in our galaxy. The tip of that pointer is a lot further than we've ever begun to travel within our galaxy. Even the furthest spacecraft that we've set out have just hit the edge of our solar system. And if I put that dot there, you know, it would be, have to be microscopic to show how far we've traveled. Very, very limited is what we've been able to travel and explore so far. Um, Probably should have done nebulae first, but this is an example of a nebula. A nebula is just a cloud of gas. So it's different than a galaxy, which was like this, which is made up of many billions of stars. This is actually, a nebula is actually a cloud of gas. In this case, this is a, a, a dead star, a star that exploded, and was seen to explode here on Earth back in the year 1054. So there's actually records of where this exploded. People noted it in the sky that all of a sudden there was this really, really bright star uh, back almost a thousand years ago. So you can find that going back to the historical records. And over that thousand years, now this is what happened. The star exploded, got really bright, and then has now all those outer layers are expanding out into space. So that's what we see today. 
This is what we call the Crab Nebula. Don't go by astronomers' terminology for everything because most of the time you will not see in it what they've named it for. So you'll see, sometimes you can, we'll see, may see a few of those. But sometimes around Halloween our picture is the uh, witch head nebula, which you can kind of make out maybe the features of a witch's head. You know, if, you've got, if you've got a good imagination. If you want to make this into a crab, uh, but that's just an example of one of those types of objects. And again, a lot of this, especially the later ports, we're going to go into much more detail. I'm kind of just giving you a very quick summary of a lot of the different things. Black holes. That's one of the ones people want to talk about because black holes are kind of interesting objects. Uh, we have detected many black holes. They're hard to see because a black hole by its nature doesn't give off any energy. It doesn't give off any light. It's a black hole because it's escaping velocity, how fast you need to travel to get away from it. Right? If we want to get away from the Earth, if we travel a certain speed in a rocket, we get away from the Earth. To get away from a black hole, which would be the dark spot at the center there, you'd have to travel faster than light. Well, as far as we know, according to Einstein, and you know, until somebody proves him wrong, you know, we've got to go by what he tells us, that nothing can travel faster than light. So at the black hole at the center there, nothing, we can't get any information from it. However, as things spiral into the black hole, before they cross what we call an event horizon, and a lot of this terminology we're going to go through in much more detail, before they do that they can be heated up to really high speeds. So in this case you have a black hole here, you have a gathering material in a disk around it, and as that material spirals in it gets heated up. It heats up to thousands of degrees, tens of thousands of degrees, millions of degrees as it spirals into the black hole. So when it, while it's outside that black hole, we can see it. And we, can see, we can't see the black hole itself, but we can see the effects that it causes in terms of this energy that's being emitted from outside the actual black hole itself. The black hole is not very big. Even a tremendously massive black hole would be something that would be kilometers in size. If our sun were turned into a black hole, it would be a couple kilometers. The actual black hole itself, it's incredibly tiny. Question? I'm sorry, the, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. Don't think of it as a big vacuum cleaner because it doesn't just suck up everything unless you're really close to it. Our sun, to turn it into a black hole, you would have to compress. Take the whole sun, compress it down to something about three kilometers in size. Then the sun would become a black hole. For us, it would make no difference. The Earth would continue to orbit it just as it does right now. It would get a little dark and a little cold and we'd all be dead because we have no light and no heat. But in terms of the Earth, the Earth would continue to orbit happily just as it does. So it is only if you get really close to it, then it becomes where it will start to suck things in. Far away, it doesn't make any difference. Yes, ma'am? Two things. Number one, does it move? And number two, where does Okay. Is it moving? Yes, these two are orbiting around each other, so they're kind of dancing around, twirling around each other in a big orbit. Just like the planets orbit around the, orbit around the sun, well, these two are orbiting around each other, so the black hole is moving. And that material would slowly become part of the black hole and would add to its mass. So it would slowly, beco it would slowly become slightly bigger, but not, it's not going to gather that much that it's going to be massively bigger. It's crushed, it gets crushed to nothingness and out of existence. I know, my head hurts, your head hurts, right? It's just gone. 
The only thing left of it is its mass. It adds to the mass of the black hole, but you don't know anything else about it. Well, a couple it things, adds but to the mass of the black hole doesn't get much bigger. Size-wise, it doesn't. Even mass-wise, if it sucked up this whole star, it might double in size. It might go from three kilometers to six kilometers. Yeah, big deal. It's you still got to be far away from it. You're still not going to be really close to it for anything else to happen. Black holes are one of the interesting ones too. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about them in more detail later too. Yes, question. Have you ever like, actually taken a picture of a black hole? Or is it all just like... We actually, this is all, and this is an artist's conception you're mentioning. Uh, we have, I believe we now have pictures. Uh, we're working on stuff that can take pictures. But the problem is taking a picture of a black hole is you can only see what it's blocking out. You can't see the black hole itself because it's not giving off anything. But we have detected, we have had evidence of black holes going back to the 1970s. So we do know that black holes exist. We can measure them. This would be a relatively small one. There are gigantic ones at the center of a galaxy. The one at the center of our galaxy is four million times the mass of our sun. Four million suns crushed together. So there are even bigger black holes, and that's not the biggest. There's even ones that are even bigger. So we have evidence of them. It's mostly indirect evidence. You watch orbits, how fast things are moving, and the only way you can explain it is by a black hole. So in terms of actually having pictures of them, it's really hard. We could get to the point where you might get some pictures of the disks around it, but the, the black hole itself just doesn't give off anything. So you can, the only way you could see it is possibly see that silhouette if you could see it against something else. All right. And there's a lot more. There's a lot of other things that we'll talk about some, uh, that are more recent as we get to, get to later. So why are we taking astronomy? Right? It's, it's my core C science requirement is usually the answer that I get. And it sounded better than chemistry or biology or anything else. Uh, but the whole idea of this, of any science course, you know, why do you have to have a core C requirement, is that you're supposed to learn something about the scientific thinking and scientific methods. So you use the scientific method all the time, right? If you've ever done a, if you've used it, hopefully, if you've ever done a science fair project in high school, middle school, or something. But the whole idea is to be able to critically analyze information. Do things make sense? And you can use that not just for science things, but for everyday life as well. And you want to try to get you know, kind of the other thing is looking at a better understanding of the universe. Right? We've already kind of put ourselves in our place just looking at some of these things. It's like, oh my goodness, my head hurts already. What is it going to be like by the end of the semester? Well, we start out easy. I give you this, but then when we get to the first couple chapters, we talk about things like eclipses and seasons and things that are a little closer to home. And then it's not till November when we start getting back into black holes and the Big Bang and the origin of the universe and all the stuff that starts to make your head ache a little bit. So what we want to look at is, you know, first of all, Try to finish, see if I can finish up this little bit here, and then we'll pick up the rest on Thursday and finish up chapter one. But what do we mean by scientific thinking? You have some of these terminologies that are used, theory, hypothesis, model. Um, they're all different. They, are, they mean different things. When we talk about a theory or a hypothesis, are generally put together as some way to explain something that we see. We see something happening. So, example here for a hypothesis. Good scientific hypothesis. It's wrong. But it's a good scientific hypothesis. We see the sun rise in the east every day. 
Right? You can, that's, that's an observation. That's what you go see. So everybody sees that the sun rises in the east every day, and you can come up with multiple explanations to explain that. Someone could say, well, it means the sun must be orbiting around the earth. We're not moving. We sit there and we watch the sun go around us every day. Sun's orbiting the earth. It's a perfectly good scientific explana uh, explanation. It's wrong. right? The sun isn't orbiting the earth. The earth is orbiting the sun. Or the earth is rotating, which causes the sun to appear to rise and set each day. But both are good scientific hypotheses because they can be tested. Any scientific hypothesis or theory has to be something that you can test. So I give you the, I give you the example there. You know, the moon is made of green cheese. That's a great scientific theory or hypothesis because I can test it. Right? We can make that trip back to the moon, take a, piece of, take a piece there and take a bite of it and break off all our teeth and find, well, I guess I was wrong. The moon is not made of green cheese, but it is something you can test. There are some things that you can't test. You know, God created the universe. Is there a way to test that? No. It's a matter of faith. I mean, that's why there's a difference between religion and science is that religion is based on faith. doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. Science also can't disprove it either because it's simply not science. It's not part of, a sci of science. Um, another one would be, you know, Einstein is the greatest scientist in history. Or the Mona Lisa is the best, greatest painting that was ever done. Well, it's up to debate. I mean, there there's, could be some debate there. Someone could say someone else was better. You know, maybe Stephen Hawking went beyond Einstein or did more. Or maybe Isaac Newton did a lot more with less background. You know, so there could be some argument there. There's, not, wait, there's nothing you can actually do to test who was the greatest scientist. So any kind of scientific theory has to be something that you can test. So just to finish up here, let me just give you the scientific method, uh, these last two slides. Uh, the scientific method is something that never ends. So you start with some kind of observation. The sun rises in the east. The observation might be the observations of positions of the planets, how the planets were moving in the sky. And then you come up with a hypothesis. How do we explain this? We can explain the sun rising in the east very easily by putting the sun in an orbit around the earth. Now, we understand gravity now and it makes no sense. We know how big the sun is. It makes no sense for this big massive thing to be orbiting around the little tiny earth. But remember, thousands of years ago we didn't know that. So you can come up with some explanation. It must be something that you can test. And then you test, make more observations, and one of two things can happen. You can either be correct, great, keep going. It doesn't end. There is never a scientific theory that is completely finalized. There are always more things that can come out. You know, how, does, how do things orbit? Well, we still want to figure that out. You know, general relativity has been in this, this link for a long time. It's found to be correct. That's general relativity. That's Einstein and gravity, I should say. Um, it's constantly being tested. It's always been correct. We don't say, okay, we're done. Einstein's correct. Because we know Einstein's wrong. We know that gravity, the way his theory does not work on every case. Because it can't explain the subatomic gravity, what we call quantum effects. Uh, the, when we get down to the sizes of the atoms. So eventually there's going to be something new. So if predictions are incorrect, oops, modify, reject, go back. And then the last one, I kind of just have it in a summary there. If you want like a little flow chart to follow, it's the same thing I just went over. 
um, that we go over those. It's the same general thing. Again, there's, there's, you notice how there's no end to it. It just keeps going. So as theories keep getting modified, our understanding of gravity has changed from the time of Newton to the time of Einstein to what's coming in the future that will actually you know, incorporate everything that they gave us and then be able to explain things that we could not. So that kind of finishes up the first section. I'm just going to leave you there with my summary. And then I will pick up the last couple sections of this on Thursday and work on uh, first lab. So have a great rest of the day and I will see you on Thursday morning.